looking back at the best of Saturday's racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day. This is Pass the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back. Welcome back to you. Thanks for your company for our first Pass the Post for 2022. It's Sunday, February 6th. Good to have you with us uh, over the next year or so, and uh, we've got a lot to get through, not only today, but over the, the coming months, of course. The autumn carnivals in Sydney and Melbourne will start to gather speed week after week. And good to have Archer Park Racing back with us as well, so uh, great with their support again for 2022. Ben Dorries, of course, was an integral part of Past the Post in the, uh, in the spring with our Melbourne and uh, Sydney carnivals. He's back with us for the autumn. Ben, good morning. Yeah, good morning, David, and uh, most importantly, how are you? My spies uh, down there in South Australia have uh, actually sent me some pictures, which unfortunately you can't sort of show the, the listeners pictures on air, seeing as we're on radio, but some pictures of you relaxing beachside. What did you actually get up to down there? Uh, that's, a, that's a scandalous and really ineffective lie, so <laughs> I think, I think as, as your starting point, you could have done better. But I'm going to throw it straight back onto you with a real question. This is the 101 chance getting up. This is... This is a fellow oh, asking a question outside of racing. That's the only sport I know about. Justin Langer, what do you think? Yeah, okay, two thoughts. I mean, I covered cricket for a long time. One, um, I thought when Justin Langer was appointed, I had my doubts about it because he's such an intense guy. Uh, he slept with his baggy green cap when he was playing. Uh, he's so intense. And that's how he got the best out of his ability when he was a player and credit to him. But that doesn't really... Uh, mould with a lot of the current players. It's all right for 2020 cricket. You can be intense for sort of two or three hours, but over five days of test cricket, I thought he was going to be too intense and he would wear the players down, which he has. So that's one element of it. But the second element of it, it was handled absolutely appallingly by Cricket Australia. What an insult. The five-month or six-month contract extension, how it sort of got to, which he was always going to knock back, how it got to this is a complete shambles. It's been a public relations absolute disaster. They should have got rid of him if they wanted to get rid of him uh, before the Ashes. So, look, not sure Justin Langer was the right coach for the side, uh, but it's been appallingly handled by Cricket Australia. They're my thoughts. Fair enough. Let's get on to racing, and we'll kick off first with the Royal Randwick meeting yesterday. And a few features here we're going to have a listen to and speak to some of the major players. Let's go to the big race of the day. This was the Inglis Millennium. A big field and a good betting race. Here's the uh, broadcast with Darren Flindell. Athletica rolls forward, races up on the outside of Sweet Ride as they turn. Extravagant stars third from Vader Zane, then came El Padrino. Sajardin is four off the lead. Boldino in the middle of the ruck with a pink jacket. It's Sweet Ride resting the lead from Athletica. Then came Extravagant Star. Here comes the favourite Paris Dior and Sajardin getting into the work now, but Extravagant Star races to the lead and kicked away from Paris Dior. And Extravagant Star goes on to win the English Millennium. Second, possibly Paris. Dior just in front of Sajardin. El Padrino finished in fourth. Then came the seven seas from Fire and Ice Athletica. Sweet Ride Calgary Stampede from Emperor Vader Zamboldino dropped out from Zambezi River. Russian Assassin Pomade and the Wizard King was one of the last to finish. Extravagant star was simply too good. A good beginning, raced on speed, kicked in the early part of the straight. Had some good chases there, Paris Dior and Sajardin, but Extravagant star was too good, two from two. Tony McAvoy, of course, trains in partnership with his son, Calvin, and he's our first guest for 2022 on Past the Post. Tony, good morning. Good morning, David. How are you? I'm well. I was reading your comments post-race about this uh, this youngster, and what I'm gathering was uh, it wasn't totally unexpected, the win, but, but nevertheless a, a pleasant surprise. Yeah, I think that's right, David. Like, she... She's a filly um, that that we've liked, and I must say, when we purchased her, I never really thought of that much of her as a two-year-old. Uh, being by extravagant, we thought maybe back end two, but but she she just kept wanting to be in the front of the bus, and and we took her to Geelong. We we're reasonably confident she'd run really well there, and and she won, but she had to fight to do it, and and then the reports on that colt were very good. So we thought, oh, well, that was very good. And when, when um, you know, she had to do a bit of work early in that race, she rarely got enough, enough, much time to rest and then had to knuckle down and fight when that colt uh, had the restful run and came at her. 
gave us enough confidence to want to uh, have a crack at a race like yesterday's race. Dana, I gather you've decided overnight or this morning that it's all roads lead to the Golden Slipper, that the Blue Diamond is effectively being ruled out and, and she'll stay in Sydney targeting the Slipper? Look, look, no decision's been made, but that's probably, uh, that's probably what I'm thinking at the moment. She's here. She's settled in well. She's been effective here. Um, Rose Hill's a different track to Ramwick, of course, but... But, uh, yeah, look, look, we've, we've just got to, first things first, uh, I, I just want to see the filly over the next couple of days. Uh, she'll make all the decisions for us. But uh, And then we'll talk to the ownership group. But, yeah, it's six weeks away. Uh, there's plenty of options to run her again uh, to make sure we can qualify her for the slipper. Uh, and, uh, and uh, yeah, we probably will go that way. But, as I say, no decision's been made just yet. Tony, you mentioned she's by extravagant, as the name suggests. She's a bit of a Queensland connection here. She's out of a mare, she's a Danica, who was a reasonably performed mare. Rob Heathcote trained her about a, about a decade ago here in Queensland. But with this win yesterday, I think you can take heart from the fact that the two horses that were chasing her home, Paris Dior and St. Jardin, well, they're considered well above average, and she held it pretty safely. Yeah, that's exactly right, David. I mean, it was very hard for me to line the form up uh, I don't know the Sydney form that well, but the scribes here were telling me it was a very strong race and had depth in it. And the uh, second filly and the and uh, the third horse were of, of a very good standard. So to see our filly uh, come out at her second career start, first run on this leg when they were on their home turf, um, really um, filled us with a bit of confidence. It was a lovely little fill-up too, wasn't it, for, for Chad Schofield, not long back from Hong Kong. Can you tell us a little bit about the background with, with Chad and your family? Like Ch- Chad and, and your son, Kelvin, are virtually best mates, aren't they? Yeah, well, they're good mates. I mean, Calvin uh, was in Chad's wedding and, uh, and um, you know, I, I, I don't know Chad uh, all that well, uh, except for to say day, but... Um, his dad, Glenn, wrote a lot of winners for me when I was training up here in Sydney. And uh, and um, when Calvin said that, look, you know, he'd love to give Chad, Chad the opportunity. Um, and uh, and I'm so pleased we did. You know, he was seven years in Hong Kong. You don't get to Hong Kong without uh, uh, being above average. And, and no one could have ridden that filly better than yesterday. He summed the race up really well. He was very confident in the filly. Uh, he said to me during the week that he thought that she could win the race and uh, and he was proved correct and, and gave her a very good ride. The time as well, considering we were on a soft five, we started on a soft six, went to a soft five, that 14.14. That's a good gallop. Just tell us the background too in, in, in the uh, lead-up process. Was she an expensive filly? Look, I paid 150000 for her uh, at the Melbourne Premier Sale. And David, she she was a filly. Uh, she's very flashy, beautiful colouring. But but the thing I liked about her is she every time I looked at her, which is I always look at them sort of half a dozen times before buy them, was uh, her temperament never changed, um, and her purpose. She had tremendous purpose. Every time she came out with the leader, she just rolled up, showed herself off beautifully and was a willing participant in everything she did. Uh, and that's a really good quality. Um, there's a lot of pressure on these young yearlings at the yearling sale, and they've got to be able to handle that. And, uh, and she really uh, impressed me. Every time I looked at her, she kept upgrading herself. And, um, and uh, I'm so pleased we bought her. We had to pay a bit of money for her, 150 uh, but I'm so pleased we did. Um, Tone, probably last one for you, just a, a, a sort of a generic one, I guess. Um, I'm not sure exactly how long you've been there. might be a year or so, but that Ballarat uh, training complex you got with 100-odd boxes, that was a big move going there, but is it, do you feel, A, it's been you know, great for training the horses, but, B, it's, it's given you personally a bit of extra pep in your step, a, a new challenge and a new way of doing things a bit as well? Yeah, exactly. I, I look, look, it was a step we had to take. I was at Flemington for about six years and... Um, 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 got up to having sort of uh, 60 or 70 horses at Flemington and 
it, it was a lovely place to train, but it was a very expensive place to train. And, and something had to change. And I went and looked at all the training facilities around Victoria in all the country areas, as well as the towns. And, and um, Ballarat was the one that stood out to me to give us the variety it needed. And um, so, so uh, we made the move and it's been fabulous. We've really enjoyed it. The horses have settled well there. It's um, it, it's uh, a good place to train, uh, and uh, the horses have, uh, are starting to really show their wares. Well, she was a triple-figure chance before the race yesterday as far as the Golden Slip is concerned at $101. She's now at a 15, and uh, judging by what she's done, she looks a live player. Tony, just before you go, I want to talk about Morpherville Park. She had a good day there at Training Treble. I was at Murray Bridge on Australia Day. I saw this horse Yulong Justify win, and... A lot of people didn't sort of take much notice of the fact that he actually broke the track record there that day. He was dominant yes. and dominant again yesterday. He looks like he's got a good future. Yeah, look, he's a talented horse, this fellow. He won his first two starts really impressively. And then he lost his way a little bit, David. He sort of got a... He, got, he, he suffers a little bit of anxiety, this horse. And he, he, he became unruly in the barriers and, and his form went out the window. And we just did a lot of work on him just to get his confidence back and to get him, get him enjoying it again. And, um, and uh, his last two wins have been fantastic. Uh, and the Magic Millions have a $120,000 race for, two, for three- and four-year-olds at Murray Bridge over 1,400 on the 5th of March. So we'll, uh, we'll go there and um, uh, see if he can uh, put three together. I have a share in a horse that's maybe owned for the same race, so you've now disappointed me as we end our interview this morning. <laughs> Sorry, David. That's all right. That's what, what racing's all about. But anyway, <laughs> con congratulations on yesterday uh, and um, yeah, good times ahead. It's, it's nice to have a, a player at this time of the year for the Golden Slipper, so we'll follow the horse with interest and we'll catch up soon. Thanks very much, David. Thank you for talking to us. Good on you, mate. Tony McAvoy joining us this morning. And, Ben, this is the time of year, and we'll be talking over the, the next few weeks. There'll be a little another piece of the jigsaw will go in every week, and then we'll start to sort it out. But I think yesterday's race, and I mentioned this yesterday on radio in the morning, this race is often dominated by one or two horses, but I think yesterday was a race with a few chances um, above average, and I think the result franked that. Yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you what, just an interesting little sideline. I'm not sure potentially what it means in the scheme of things or going forward. But Phillies, obviously, I think there were three Phillies in the race. They ran the Quinella there. And obviously the first four horses uh, in the Magic Millions two-year-old across the line were Phillies. So um, certainly the female horses having a, a bit of a fill-up in those um, some of those you know rich early two-year-old races. Well, not early two-year-old races, but um, early 2022 races anyway. Well, extravagant star can do no more than, than what she's done. Paris Dior has been good twice before coming to the, the big race here yesterday, and she's run well again. It certainly shows Peter and Paul Stoner they've got a good armoury as far as two-year-olds are concerned this season. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I tell you what, the one I'm really looking forward to, to watching the next step uh, that this filly takes is Russian Conquest, the, the runner-up to Coolangatta. Uh, in the Magic Millions, I thought she was terrific on the day. Really gave Coolangatta, you know, a, you know, it was the odds-on favourite, and everyone expected to win. Really, I don't know if she gave her a scare, but gave her a little bit of a fright. And just talking to the Snowdens after that day, did her up and about uh, about how close she got to Coolangatta. I sense there's a lot more to come there. She's the ten dollars second favourite uh, now behind Coolangatta in Golden Slipper betting. Third horse, Sajad, and we'd seen him, of course, in the spring. He's strong to the line. Yesterday he was probably out of his comfort zone. He was left wide and posted, but his run was good as well. So I think the first three all, all deserve respect out of that race yesterday. And as I said, the time, 14.14, home in 34.25. They're good figures on a soft five track. Let's stay with the two-year-olds. We'll go to the first, the Lon Road Plate. And here, Lady Laguna, who, of course, we've seen here in southeast Queensland. She won on debut at Eagle Farm, but 
She was set out the favourite for Annabelle Neesham, $2.50. Here's the broadcast. Base walk in front, turning for home. Under a good hold from Bowman, leading from Sathira. Lady Laguna being roused along the outside. Plimstock behind them in the white cap. Two further back to Tregara. Space walk at the 300. Just in front of Sathira, who's really looming strongly on the outside. Two lengths clear from Lady Laguna. She's had a tough run and has had enough. Sathira takes the lead now. Uh, Lady Laguna's digging in late. It's Sathira in front from Lady Laguna. And Sathira's just got in. Very strong at the end was Lady Laguna. Then Spacewalk and Boyfriend warming up to the task late. Then one destiny from Best Marty, Plemstock and Tregara. Well, it was a perfect segue talking about Peter and Paul Snowden, of course, with uh, Paris Dior and the, the clump of two-year-olds they've got. Here's another one they've produced on debut, Cythera. Tommy Berry, the writer. He's joining us now. Tom, good morning. Hey, guys. Hi. Yeah, well, thanks. Thanks for joining us. Uh, these are the horses you like to ride as young horses. They do everything right. Jump well, settle well on speed and find the line. Yeah, no, definitely. She's a, she's a bit of a natural. Uh, she hasn't always been like that. But, um, she's come a long way in a short time. And uh, to do that off one one pretty easy trial um, where she wasn't under a lot of pressure was um, quite impressive. And I guess it just shows how well uh, the Snowden know their horses and, and, and how far they can push them. Yeah, Tom, you gave a pretty honest assessment, I think, uh, sort of post-race. Um, you sort of gave the indication, I mean, while it may not have been a surprise that she won, she's certainly not the, the best two-year-old necessarily that you've, you've, you've been on in recent times. You've been pretty immature and and, and just, um, you know, but, but just kept on improving sort of steadily through through her, um, through her early prep. Yeah, no, exactly right. She's not, she's not one that sort of jumped out at me and, and said, oh, this is one that I think can get me to a slipper. Um, but... Saying that, as I said, she's one of those ones that kept improving every time, and they're the ones you look for. Um, some of those early types don't even make it to a slipper, but um, usually you find your, your best two year olds just after Christmas offline. And um, she's a lovely filly with a, with a, a good attitude, and, and she's very well put together. So um, I think she can take a lot from that yesterday. Uh, she's, and you, you'll see how green she was even when she got the, you know, when she did the front. She, um, she had a good Slipper, of course, is still six weeks away, so there's a lot of water to flow under the bridge. But from your point of view, from a from a, a slipper point of view, uh, is there any two-year-old you're particularly looking at or being asked to, to look at? Yeah, there's a two-year-old colt going around for Peter Snowden Saturday week. Um, particularly, he's had, um, he's had three trials and three wins in, in all three trials. He's, um, he's a lovely colt. Um, he's a real big boy, and uh, he's been very impressive. So... He'll go around next week. I, I won't be on him. Um, I've got a right. I'm going to be on uh, Man in the Mirror in that race, who I've got a lot of time for as well. But um, Man in the Mirror probably looks a bit more like a, a side champagne horse. So um, yeah, he's a really nice colt. Uh, I'll be on him after after next weekend and going forward, providing he runs well, wins. Um, and then obviously Billy that just got beaten the, um, the Magic Million uh, name just catches me at the moment. But, um, she's won. Uh, I've, I've had a lot of time for her. I won on her at, at, at her first start at Newcastle, and she's one that's really progressed quite nicely. And she's just come back into work after a little bit off. So um, she'll run in something like a Riesling or something going forward. Uh, one of the lead ups to the slipper. And uh, yeah, looking forward to see how far she can get. You know, she obviously ran pulling gutter down to a, a neck of half a length. So she's, she's got plenty of ability. Hey, Tom, that's Russian Conquest. What was that, that unraced horse again? What's its name, sorry? Um, it's one of... Um, uh, uh, particularly something. I can't think of its name either right now. I'm just... Sundays aren't good for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm usually switched off by then. But, uh, yeah, he's won a China horse club in Newgate Farms. Okay. So you'll see him in on, on Saturday. I think it's a long road plate he's going to run in. So, um, I mean, he's got $15 in the, in the Golden Supermarket already. So he's been well... Well sought after uh, without having a start. Fair enough. And Tom, you've um, you've got a relatively new uh, manager, Paul Joyce, um, who Queensland, you know, listeners to radio uh, and especially Sky TV watchers who will become more and more familiar with. Uh, he's uh, moved up to Queensland, doing a fabulous job 
uh, on, uh, you know, with Sky Racing. Can you just give us uh, a bit of background there? You obviously had a long-term manager and, and you, you've, you've, you know, Joyce, he's now taken you under his wing. Yeah, no, it was, um, it was quite, quite good how it worked out. Obviously, I had um, my old manager, Jeff Ryan, for 15 and a half years. Um, so since I had my first race ride and um, he did an amazing job and wasn't really expecting his retirement, uh, but he just got to a point where he's, he's getting a bit older now. He wants to spend a bit of time with his family and, and, and enjoy life a bit more, which um, being a manager is a full-time job. Uh, it can be pretty demanding at times. So um, I... Didn't know the rules with, um, you know, like with Paul working for Sky and then being able to become a manager with Sydney. And, and obviously that he wasn't allowed to do that, but I wasn't aware that he was moving to Queensland. So with him moving to Queensland and not doing fits on New South Wales racing, um, he was available to, to manage me if he wanted. And look, it was something that he wasn't very keen to do at the start. He didn't think he was going to manage ever again. And uh, when I obviously offered him the opportunity, um, he had a good think about it with his his wife and uh and yeah came back and it'd be great and obviously Paul the reason why I went for him is I, I really enjoyed just having a manager um that only manages myself instead of doing other jobs as well. Um I feel that um you know to, to have a manager just concentrate on, on, on one job is quite important and uh and my manager Jeff had done just myself for quite a while now. So that's what I was used to and Obviously, Paul's very good at his form as well, which is quite important. So um, he's done a great job so far, and, and we're really enjoying our association together. It's only been a couple of months. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's been really good. Just looking a little further down the track before you go, any, can you give us any news on the Good Horse Mask Crusader? Yeah, I think he might run in Melbourne uh, for the Lightning. Right. Um, so I'm not sure yet, but he's, uh, he's got plenty of options. Obviously, sprint races in Sydney and Melbourne. Um Definitely not short of any of them. So he's, uh, he's come back in good order. I've galped him once since he's been back in, and he, he felt really good. And it's probably the best he's looked in his coat as well. So um, we're very excited to see him back at the track. Good on you, mate. Thanks for your time this morning. We appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Thanks, guys. Take care. Tommy Berry joining us this morning, riding Scythera in the first race. Lady Laguna's run was good, Ben, because she was wide, no cover. And just when you thought she might give up, she, she found another gear and... I thought was good. The fourth horse on debut, Boyfriend, finished off well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, to be honest, I'm not quite sure what to make of the form going forward out of this race. I think Tommy was pretty frank with uh, suggesting the winner is by far the best two-year-old going around. So, yeah, there was some nice runs in the race, but could this be a, a good slipper or, or big race reference going forward? Not sure, David. No, probably not. Now, that horse that will run is called Metallicity, M-E-T-A-L-L-I-C-I-T-Y, a cult by Zoostar, and as Tommy pointed out, it's had three trials, one each of them, Canterbury in late December and then uh, Rose Hill on the 4th of January and then Rose Hill on the 31st of January, so unbeaten. Uh, Tommy hasn't ridden him in the trials, Reagan Baylor, Sam Clippert and James McDonald, so he debuts, I think it's the, it'll be the Piero Plate this Saturday at Royal Rabbit. He's $15, as, as Tom pointed out, in the slip-up. Obviously pretty good, as, as Tom's outlined to us. Let's push on, and uh, we'll listen to one of the other features. This is the Group 3 Eskimo Prince. Now, Paul Laley has a dynamic record in Ramp. You can't do better. Four from four was going for five from five yesterday. Here's the replay. So Palali in front. McAvoy coming well off the fence from Martin Newey and Converge is looking to go back to the inside. Ranch hand to the outside. It's Palali a length and a half clear from Converge the inside. Ranch hand the outside is trying hard. Palali trying to repel the challenges of Converge and Ranch hand. He's doing a good job of it. Palali. Ranch hand is trying. Palali just in front of Ranch hand and Palali is going to lead all the way in the Eskimo Prince by a half length to Ranch hand and Converge the Followed by Morris's me dad running on from the second half of the field. Further back to Halal from Kiss, some subterranean staying on. Then came Mana Nui, a gap to War Eternal from Captivant, Giannis and Royal Zell. Well, an excellent return by Paul Ailey in his three-year-old term. And that Randwick record now goes to five from five. And it's a pretty impressive stat, Ben. Um, you don't see that too often, five from five at one of our premier tracks. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, gee whiz, he showed his class, didn't he? And the post race from James Cummings was, um, 
was a real eye-opener as well when he said that uh, his track work, one of his track work riders who rode Pulali in the, in the days leading up got off and was just absolutely gobsmacked and basically said this horse would just about win anything you, you put him into on Saturday. So um, he, clearly he was ready to go first up. But unlike the, the race that we just talked about, David, I think this will be an outstanding form reference uh, going forward into the autumn. While Pulali was good, I think Ranch Hand was also very good. Um, well, I actually banked Ranch Hand in the Magic Millions a year earlier, you know, as a two-year-old. I think it was first emergency that day. Just just as impressing and impressing and impressing. Just seems to keep getting better. I think we've just seen the tip of the iceberg there. And Converge also proved he was back after never really um, coming up in the spring at all. So um, Gay Wardhouse and Adrian Bott would have been delighted with with Converge. So I think um, you know these you know the top three in this race they may potentially go in different directions and have different targets. But I think we can follow them all going forward with a fair degree of confidence. You told a lie at the start of the show that people saw me beachside in Adelaide and took photos. We've proven that to be incorrect. But what I heard about you, <laughs> no, we, ha- we haven't proven it to be incorrect. What I heard we about, haven't pr- well, <laughs> if there was a photo at the casino, it might be might have some some weight, <laughs> but not at the beach. Um, I was at, at Glenelg one day, but this is uh, what I heard about you that whilst I was away and you were getting ready for the past the post return, you were going to sectional time classes. So when I talk about all these times and <laughs> what's fast and what's slow, this time around during this autumn, you're going to have an opinion on every sectional time I talk about. That's good to hear. Yeah, hundred percent, and not bad from a bloke who uh, actually, to, to be fair, actually did pretty good at school. Like I got a, a decent OP score, which was a quite amazing considering I actually failed maths in grade twelve. So I was really good at maths, David, like in primary school, you know, the times tables and the counting. But then when we got, you know, got a little bit further advanced, I sort of thought, well, I'm not going to be any math, you know, mathematician or science whiz. I might uh, might give a might give journalism a crack and like it's probably the best thing I've done so leave me out of the uh, the maths and the sectionals and the times but think, um think about but look, my... I understand I understand you love them and they are a great help for punters aren't they think about someone of my vintage we didn't have calculators when I went to school we had to do it all <laughs> in our heads but just just on Paul Lally in the in the fair digging department had a good run in front an unusual role not a not uh, totally foreign to him but an unusual role in the lead but he was able to dictate terms, McAvoy, and then he sprinted up the straight. So it was really a leader on pace dominated race. And that's why, just as we close off on the Eskimo Prince, Morris is me dad, first up, fourth good at Halal, who is one of the few that may ground in fifth good as well. So I agree with you totally. I think the form reference out of this race will be strong. Let's close off on Royal Ramwick yesterday. We'll have a listen to race nine because there's a good Queensland interest here. And it pays very good dividends. The horse is called Mautai for Casey Fogdom. Darren Flindell labelled it his best bet of the day on Select Racing yesterday. Let's hear how it went. Maltai Leach coming around the corner, extending the lead now from Amici and Silent Impact. Then came Lancaster Bomber from Perigord and Rustic Steel heads the rest. Inside the 300 and Maltai's full of running. Silent Impact two lengths away, starting to chip into the margin. Lancaster Bomber's finding the line, but Maltai still in front. A length and a half to Silent Impact is running out of time. Maltai keeps going and Maltai with the blinkers on lit all the way from Silent Impact. Rustic Steel third. Irish Angel may have nicked fourth just in front of Lancaster Bomber and Broken Arrows. A gap back to El Buena from Perigord. So am I, El Buena. Casino Mondiala. And Amici did the chasing drop right out to finish last. It was a very polished first-up performance and a good front-running performance. In fact, better than a good front-running performance. An excellent one. Ran time and gave nothing else to look in. Beat a smart horse too. I mentioned the Queensland interest. Of course, Brett Cook, the chairman of the Gold Coast Turf Club, his CEO, Steve Lyons, and his racing manager, Ian Brown sharing the ownership. Brett's joining us now. Brett, good morning. Uh, good morning, Dave. How are you, mate? I'm well, mate. Did, were you there yesterday or were you at the coast? I was actually at the coast, mate. I was actually going to fly down, but I got, got my dates wrong. I thought I had to work yesterday morning, so uh, I, I decided to go to the coast and celebrate there instead, mate. Well, I hope you celebrated well because that was a damn good win. Yeah, mate. I, I think it's well documented. He's had a lot of issues with barrier manners and things like that, but once he goes in the barriers, mate, we, we, we were confident he just goes like a bomb. Yeah, Cookie, give us a bit more background on that. I remember penning a story uh, which you had a bit of a laugh at, but it was uh, it was right, wasn't it, that at one point Casey Fogden was tearing her hair out so much she was even putting wind chimes in his stable box and, and doing all sorts of other weird and wonderful things to, to try and get inside his head so he would go into the barriers. Yeah, I actually do feel sorry for Casey because she's under a lot of pressure with this horse. It's obviously a well-bred, expensive colt. She tried every trick in the book at the stables over there at Kadunga and... Um, 
I think this time around, I know we've had issues with the barrier trial at Doombin. We had problems there. She floated in straight down to Sydney and had problems there that within two days had another barrier trial. But um, took her straight back to the stables, give her the jump out, then one more one more trial. It got its barrier certificate, mate, then went to race yesterday and, and delivered in spades. Fred, he's only had the six starts. That's his second win. His other win was at his first start. And you know, I go to Ipswich a lot, and you see a lot of bread and butter horses there. The day he won, which was back in early May, I remember saying, that's way out of the box. Like, I think he won by nearly six lengths. So it was a great debut. So obviously right from the get-go, you, you knew you had one well above average. Yeah, well, well, a few months before his first start, we, we knew he had like untapped potential. You haven't even seen his, his ability yet. Uh, he won, obviously, very well up there. Went straight to town next start on a Saturday and, and pulled and over-raced and got run down. And so, uh, you know, he, he can run time. If, if the day you get him to settle, mate, and he gets a, a nice little sexual, mate, you'll get over more ground, there's no doubt about it, and he'll, he'll get up in the higher-quality races. Yeah, I can't believe this. You banked more money, Cookie. You own half the Gold Coast already, just a bit more for the kicker. But uh, in the Fair England Department, how did you and the boys at the Turf Club, what's the background of you uh, all getting um, into this guy? How did it sort of kick off? Oh, well, obviously, mate, Accuous are big supporters of the club. So we've from day one, we said, look, you only handy horse you want to throw us in. We're more than happy to contribute. Um, they put us in a horse called Shirasi, and it only had one start at, at Toowoomba and ran down the track. So they jumped out of that one pretty quick and sold the boys up north. And the horse, the one up there, won four straight. So they, they're having a bit of fun with him. And, and the opportunity came around for Motive, or Muay Thai, they actually pronounce it. So when they offered us a share in that, mate, with the breeding, we just, we just jumped on. No doubt about it. Is there any uh, plan for this horse? Any any major target or specific target at the moment? I know Casey's got him nominated for the Randwick Guineas, which is obviously a mile, which is, you know, I'm not sure we get that sort of ground in early March. So she's not afraid to take on the big boys. Obviously wants to get Black Type against his name for potential stallion opportunities down the track. So we definitely step up in the better grade. There's no doubt about it. So let's, let's just see where we go. Now, Cookie, I love taking the mickey out of you and vice versa, as we both know. We both have a bit of fun. But uh, I know there's a, um, a day coming up that's very, very close to your heart and, and actually close to my heart as well regarding uh, men's mental health uh, at the Gold Coast you put on. We had the, the first one last year. Can you tell our listeners just a bit about what's, uh, what the event is, what the day is, and, and what's planned for this year? Well, well, as you know, Benny Boy, last year was the inaugural year, and there's a lot of emphasis gets put, put around ladies and and their health issues with Pink Ribbon Race Day and other sort of things. So I thought, well, the, the, the males don't get a fair chance to put their hand up and um, try and raise some money. So we, we, we last year we had, it's around mental health, basically all physical issues with blokes, you know, have an opportunity to talk about that sort of stuff. We raised 140000 first year round, which I thought was a pretty good effort, and we're going to do it again in uh, early April. We've already got 700 people booked into the, one of the event centres there, so it'll be at capacity, and... I encourage everyone who's listening to come in the coast and support a good cause and try and raise some money. So what date is it, What date is it, Cookie, and, and, and what can people expect, um, you know, if, if they come along? Uh, it's on April 9, so there's obviously... We've got some comedians coming down. We'll have some... I think, to be honest, I think one of the corporate bookmakers are going to support it by the sound of it. So we're going to have uh, Glenn Boss, pumpers coming down. There's going to be auction items. I think we're going to have a car, jet ski, things like that on the day. Have a bit of entertainment with a comedian after last. Vince Rennie's going to do a half an hour set and put a bit of music on as well. So obviously there's the normal restaurant opportunity. So there's, there's plenty of activity for people to come along and, and have a good time out. Fred, just before you go, just moving away from yesterday, uh, you've had your recent Magic Millions Carnival. I was with Steve Lyons on the morning of Magic Millions Day and he predicted that you would better your turnover from the previous year. He was spot on. I think you held 69 million in 2021 2022 just gone the, the total mass was 77 million which makes it the highest uh, in in Queensland racing history uh, which is a great result for, for for the race day itself and with these new races next year you could even exceed that figure again I think with the extra rate the first thing when Steve told me man I was ecstatic but I put the pressure straight back on the big fella and said well next year mate we're going for 80 million that's it that's our target with the extra race I, I can't see why well, we can't get it but the, um, the week before was also a pleasing day with cracking over 40 million for the wave, and it was, it was a rain affected track. So it was about like 100, like 105, 6 million for those two, two Saturdays. It was a great result. But I've got to give a, a wrap to race in Queensland. The summer carnival itself and all the turnover right through from all the Brisbane meetings in, in December were through the roof. 
the Sunshine Coast last weekend. The, the turnover was fantastic. So the summer carnival just continues to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And obviously the Magic Million is, is a big part of that. Uh, 100%. Just before you do go, Brian and Dan Guy retired from training yesterday and they had a function there at the Gold Coast and they've been an integral part of your setup at the Gold Coast for many years now. No, it'll be, be a sad loss. I did go out and say good day to Brian and, and have a quick chat and a beer with him. Um, he, he thought he could get a winner yesterday. He's unlucky. I think he had a second and a third. So uh, he's been a great asset at the club for a long time. So I wish him all the best in his retirement. And, and Daniel's going to stay in administration somewhere. He's not sure what area yet. So uh, I'm sure he'll be around the race club for a lot of years to come. It's good to hear. Thanks for your time this morning. Congratulations on yesterday. Thanks, boys. There he is, Brett Cook, the chairman of the Gold Coast Turf Club. And, of course, they're racing metropolitan-wise on March 19 with their big jewel day. So that's not too far away. They've got a nice horse here in Mount Tai, Ben. Yeah, absolutely. It's a funny one, uh, this horse is a, is a punter, because I've sort of <laughs> sort of been a bit reluctant to, to back him for the last while just because I sort of think, oh, you, gee whiz, you never know what you're going to get at the barriers. But, of course, if he doesn't go into the barriers, you get your money back anyway. So I don't know what I'm thinking. I know Cookie and the boys... Uh, were, were very confident that if he did the right thing uh, in the gates, he'd um, he'd win. And, and he showed sustained speed, didn't he? I don't know about 1,600. I think that's probably beyond him, especially at the elite level uh, at this point in time. But they've certainly got a very nice horse on their hands. And let's hope um, it was just the tip of the iceberg yesterday and the barrier the barrier manners or misbehaviour is a thing of the past. And I will point out, just as we close off, and just for you, they did run one nine three six, nearly a second faster than Paul Laley. So if we're saying that's a good form race, uh, Mountai certainly uh, stamped his uh, his uh, impression there yesterday with that very fast time on a soft five track. They were the highlights from Royal Ramwick. Of course, we're back there next Saturday with a Group Two Apollo and a host of other Group uh, races as well. Let's take a break here on Past the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing. We'll come back and listen to some highlights from Caulfield yesterday. This is Pass the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing. Taking racing ownership to the next level. Of course, Archer Park Racing were active at the Magic Millions sale and you can see those purchases and you can buy into them. Just go to archerparkracing.com.au. The website there shows them all and give Chris Wessel a call. He'll help you out in anything you need to know. Well, Caulfield yesterday hosted two Group 3 races. Let's go to the first of them, or the second of them, actually. It was the Manfred Stakes. And generation was well backed into one dollar eighty five unflinching looking to keep the picket fence alive comes around the bend at the 400 meters mark generations within a half length as Jai McNeil looks for four and he's about to breathe fire down the leader's throat two lengths away running on Lena's legend Zathus to the outside from Umgawa in front on the outside now is generation he's under a vice-like grip Zathus is coming with big strides on the outside he had a go generation Zathus a length away generation kicks in Zathus can't get to him generation holding Zathus and Lena's legend Legend, and Generation is too good. He beats Zathus, drew away and beat him a length and a half. Lena's Legend third, then Amgawa, and unflinching. Well, he wouldn't settle. He wanted to race, and he's finished last. Well, he was ridden by the star of the show yesterday, Caulfield. Jai McNeely rode five of the nine winners, and Generation was one of them. And, Ben, I don't think it's the first time we'll be mentioning Kieran Ma and David Eustace in the winner's circle during the autumn. Yeah, I mean, I must admit, I hadn't been entirely convinced with Generation until yesterday. And look, I know it was only a field of five, but look, you know, he was challenged. He, he you know, I, I, you know, into the straight, I thought, you know, how are we going to go here? But gee whiz, I thought it was a stylish win. Um, I'd say, a, you know, there's no way that he'd take on uh, Marabi, the unbeaten stable mate, who's very good in the Oakley Plate. That'd be a million to one, I would have thought. But Generation does hold. Uh, a nomination for the new market handicap. So I don't think that's been entirely ruled out yet. So there might be some bigger fish to fry there. But yes, you're right, David. The story of Caulfield yesterday uh, was was one thing. One man, John McNeil, five winners. Uh, wowee. Um, and this is someone I actually, you know, of course he won the Melbourne Cup, um, you know, a couple of years ago. And I penned a story with him six months or so afterwards, or it may not have been even that long. And he was just sort of, struggling to get the wind back in his sails. He sort of, you know, felt like he climbed racing Mount Everest and, and, you know, was just a little bit lost. Didn't, you know, didn't know where he was going to go now and just felt a bit flat and couldn't get his mojo back for, for one reason or another. Uh, but he's certainly got it back now. He's riding winners for fun. Uh, he's a terrific rider and I think um, also one of the more terrific human beings I've, I've met in the riding race. Very very solid, um, stable family life. He's got a lovely, lovely, um, uh, you know, uh, wife. 
Um, and just uh, just an all-round good fella. Presents well to owners. Uh, rides incredibly well. Uh, he's just the you know he's just a real package. And I I love seeing good guys go well in sport, David. So I was uh, cheering every one of his five winners, even though I didn't back. I don't think any of them. Yeah, his, uh, he also teamed up with Maren Eustace with Worthily. It was heavily backed in the 1,800-metre race. He just got home, got home by a short half-head. Miss 500, won the third. And, of course, Melba's song made it the quintet in race eight. But let's have a listen to his other win, which was the feature, one of the features, the Group 3 chairmans. He's on the first starter here, Sebenak, a $6 chance. They come towards the bend. Renosu, the front runner from Mrs. Pat Moore. Moving up is Award Demon the outside. Sebenak bolting for a run from Nana Gooey and around the field. New Hampshire, plenty of chances here. Renosu being nursed. Sebenak's bolting for a run. He's about to get out now and go after the leader. And he's gone after him under a triple grip. A length away behind those Award Demon. Londoletti getting up on the fence. Sebenak, he looked the part in the yard. He's burst clear. Nana Gooey's running on well, but Sebenak is a class animal. Comes home and wins a length and a half. Nana Gooey. Then Kiko late from Award Demon. Londoletti behind those New Hampshire. Renusu dropped right out in the straight. They were followed by Equivocal and Mrs. Patmore last in. Yeah, he's a cult by capitalist. He'd uh, performed quite well on the jump out. A little easy in the betting. 488 to 6, but stretch clear from him. I might treat this race a bit the way you treated the Cythera race at, uh, at uh, Randwick. Uh, respect, but not quite sure where, where they head. Yeah, I mean, you can only do what you can do, I guess. And this Colt won well. Rupert Lee, obviously, there in the ownership. But I think you're right, David. I think even the post-race comments from the Hawks team suggested uh, just a bit of tempering of the expectations and maybe not raising the bar too high uh, at this stage. So certainly one to follow, um, you know, for the future, but maybe not one for the absolute, um, you know, A-grade races potentially this autumn. That was Caulfield yesterday. Let's go to the meeting at Doombin. We started on a soft seven, finished on a soft five. The track improved right through the day. Probably better going away from the fence. I think jockeys were of that opinion um, during the middle part and later part of the day. We'll talk about that. But let's go to the opening race. The two-year-old, Spiritualized, was well-backed. It was the $2.50 favourite. The horse that beat it home, though, Jameldi, up at the Sunshine Coast, was the second favourite and well-backed as well, 370 to 290. Let's see how it fared. Jamaldi and Spiritualized pair off coming to the turn while Botanica came off the bed. Russian Racketeer still there and then came Executive Stress and Sidestep Me. Jamaldi and Spiritualized. They look as though they're going to fight it out again in the straight. Jamaldi on the inside narrowly in front. Spiritualized not going away. One, two with a shillelagh by Bird. But Jamaldi on the inside still the leader. Spiritualized can't get in the shed. In fact, Jamaldi, Shades of the Sunshine Coast, pulling away and two to good again. Jamaldi, two from two. Beat Spiritualized. Executive Stress, a nice run up for third, fourth Russian racketeer, then Wild Botanica, and sidestep me last home in 1595. Well, Jamelde, he's a beauty, isn't he? Only a $50,000 purchase by winning Rupert, two starts, two wins. As we mentioned, the Sunshine Coast went to the 1110 of Dooman yesterday, beat them again. Tiff Brook is the rider, and she's joining us now. Tiff, good morning. Good morning, how are you? I'm well. Uh, what I liked about this win yesterday, we saw the win at the, at the Sunshine Coast and he did pull away late, but yesterday you had to work to get to the front. And as soon as you got there, uh, Spiritualized went up outside of you, Wild Botanica went up three wide. So basically he had no comfort piece for the major part of the race and again he pulled away from them. Yeah, he did, David. But look, he's, you know, he's an absolute beautiful little horse. He's got a great attitude and, you know, even though he did sort of have to work early and, and press the button and, and burn a bit of energy. Um, he was always sort of relaxed underneath me once I found that fence, even when they did did come up outside him. So I think, you know, the horse's attitude takes him a long way. He's obviously, obviously got above average ability. So, you know, and, and Tommy and I both agree. I don't think we've sort of reached the bottom of him yet. He's, he's a very relaxed horse in, in everything he does. So I think he's only going to improve with time. And, um, you know, I have no doubt that he'll step out over a bit further too. Tiff, obviously you were a champion Brisbane apprentice back in the day. I guess the memories must have really come flooding back for you yesterday. You were telling me post-race it was your first Saturday Metropolitan win in, in quite some time. Yeah, I honestly couldn't tell you which what was my last match Saturday Metropolitan winner. It's been it's been that long. It's definitely my first one since I've been back. Um, and yeah, I obviously had a lot of success as an apprentice in Brisbane. So it was, it, it, it's a, it's been a bit of a personal sort of goal to just get that, that Saturday Metropolitan winner back. So it was a massive release and obviously a massive thrill for me to do that yesterday. 
Tom Budden, of course, trains Jamildi. I was having a look at some stats there before. I think you, you'd like it this morning to pay uh, a compliment or a tribute to Stuart Kendrick because he's been a great supporter of you. Yeah, he has. I mean, I, I did my entire apprenticeship with Stuart and um, so we're, you know, we've known each other for years and we obviously we work really well together. Um, we sort of know each other inside out and he has, he's stuck solid with me throughout my apprenticeship and with both of my comebacks. So, you know, it's uh, it's really good to have sort of a stable of his size um, sort of behind me and supporting me and, and like, you know, obviously Caloundra's, uh, you know, a big place where I do get a lot of support out of there as well. Jeff, can you just, um, you know, touch on your journey for the listeners who may not be aware? I um, obviously interviewed you last month before the Magic Millions where you, you had a ride in the Magic Millions and I must say I really admired your, your, your bravery and courage talking to me, you know, very openly uh, in a story we did, um, yep. you know, for news and just about, um, you know, you, you faced a really, you know, severe battle with drug addiction, didn't you? You know, you, you, you had a fall, you yep. got injured. You became addicted to, to, you know, to all sorts of drugs, really, and you, you hit a pretty low place. I mean, with, without going into all the ins and outs of it, it just just mm-hmm. give the listeners a bit of bit of an insight into that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I obviously walked a pretty dark path there for a while, and um, you know, had a lot of a lot of issues sort of on the track with injuries and and sort of stuff like that, and probably a little bit of fall from grace there when I went. You know, I was so successful as an apprentice and. Um, to sort of have that fall and sort of bring the undoing of me as right as I came out of my time. And, you know, on top of that, I did have a couple of personal issues. I sort of lost my mother at quite a young age, which is, um, you know, probably probably paid a little bit to, to me getting getting off track and not sort of having that, that support there. But, um, yeah, I mean, like the, like the article said, it's, it's well and truly in the past and I sort of a hard road back. But, um, you know, it's all looking really good now. And, uh, yeah, I... It, it, it probably shows in the way I've come back this time. I'm a lot sort of more focused. I'm a lot mentally a lot stronger. Battled with depression for quite a while, so um, I think I've come out a lot a lot bigger and a lot better. Tiff, so what be- are your, your sort of goals? Uh, sorry, David. What are your sort of goals? I guess for the next six months, a year, couple of years. I mean, is it is it more riding more Saturday Metro winners? Is it just riding more winners in general? What um, where's your mind yeah, well- at? When I came back, I set I set myself very small goals. It was you know first just to sort of get back and ride a winner, sort of get back and have the weight under control that I can ride consistently, and and then it was sort of just consistently riding well enough to to continue getting winners. And obviously, I don't know, like most jockeys, the the idealistic goal is to to make it you know to to the top as where you can to the big stage in town, and to ride in town every Saturday is obviously the ultimate end goal. But um, you know, for me. Just being able to consistently ride and and um, you know pay back some of the trainers that supported me in riding winners and whatnot, um, you know is is pretty much where I am. I sort of don't really put too much pressure on myself as to the, the bigger picture, but yeah, like I like I just mentioned, it's mainly just consistency for me. Yeah. And, and when you went through these times and you can reflect on it now and, and reflect on it positively. Uh, you, you found the, ra- the racing industry is quite a unique industry. It's, it's a very close-knit industry. And, I mean, I know there's a lot of rivalry and, and whatever, but sometimes I think we see the best in racing when, when, when yeah. you know, ordinary things happen. I, I think your case is a, is a classic example where people have rallied behind you because they wanted you to come back and they wanted you to succeed. Yeah, that's it, David. I mean, I um, you know, I do have some really, really good people that are sort of, been either in racing or still in racing that have definitely stuck stuck very strong by me throughout and to just see that sort of see me get better and I guess they know the ability that I've had there before and they know the person that I was sort of pre pre all the um the drugs and the qualification and all that so yeah I mean I I can't say I've had any um negative sort of support I mean everyone's been great all you know all the jockeys have been fantastic and the trainers and my manager and like I said I've got a few friends that were in racing that that are very, very good to me outside of that. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, racing is a, a big family. It's a very competitive sport and we obviously all want to compete against each other. But when it comes down to it, we are all, always there for each other as well. Appreciate your time this morning and uh, your frankness and your honesty. But most importantly, let's look at the present and uh, this horse is going well. Tell that trainer, Tom Button, there's a race at the Sunshine Coast in two weeks' time, a 1,000 metres, two-year-old. Surely you'll keep him up for that. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly have no idea what the plans are for this horse. Um, I'm sure sure Tom will work that out. But, yeah, I mean, he's exciting and, um, 
yeah, I definitely look forward. Um, I feel very privileged that, I, that I've got to stick with him and thanks to Tom and the owners. So I do look forward to what the future holds. And thank you for talking to us this morning. Thanks, guys. Diff Brocker joining us this morning. Jamelde is, uh, I, I think, pretty good, um, Ben, because there's a bit of a rap on spiritual ice. He's an Archer Park horse, but Jamelde had him there yesterday fairly and squarely. And I must say, this time of year, February and March, are the easiest time, or they're the two months, are the easiest months to win races in the metro area in South East Queensland. There's no doubt about that. So that race in two weeks' time at his home track, Tom Trains at the Sunshine Coast, Looks an ideal, uh, an ideal assignment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he seems to love a fight. This horse too loves a scrap, so that's tremendous. And look, I'll give you <clears throat> a little bit of um, just a very brief insight into something um, you probably and some of your listeners and some of the people I meet might think I'm a bit of a hard bastard. But um, when I was writing that Tiffany Booker story last last month, David, it was uh, so emotional talking to her and she became so emotional. I actually had some tears in my eyes when I was writing it. You know, that's 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 what sort of story it was and I'm so, so pleased to see her come back um, from all that. I wish her the very best for the future and she is an undoubted talent. So um, I hope now she's got a life together and she's riding well that she gets even more support going forward. Yeah, and those sort of stories uh, I think are good to get out there because they might make it a little easier for someone... You might be going through a similar situation and uh, they, they read something like that and say, well, I'm not the only one going through that. So uh, a point well made. Let's continue on with uh, looking back at Dooman yesterday. We'll go to the eighth race of the day. Dream Reacher, he was really in the deep end first up. He was against Isotope in the snippets on Magic Millions Day. Yesterday was a lot easier assignment. He was the favourite, but he was last in the run. Renegaded control. Stuttering sits quietly. Deep Seaver being hustled along three wide. Zigaline needs a run. Love struck four deep. Dream Reacher. He's still last at the turn. Trying to make ground there. Straightening for home though. And Renegade leads the way. Stuttering on the outside though. Draws level and pokes the head in front and takes the lead. Dream Reacher still gives them three length start but is running on powerfully now. Stuttering can't get away from them. Deep Seaver and Dream Reacher right down the outside. Here comes Dream Reacher. Dream Reacher swept up. Hit the lead and one. Beat home Deep Seaver stuttering third. I'd say Love struck fourth. Then Renegade never know more. Tavion Prince Sir Rocket Full Nelson and Zigaline last time in 121-22. Very competitive horse dream reacher. That was win five start 16. He's a six year old so he's obviously had some issues along the way. He's by Stitzel. Gillian Heinrich prepares him at the Gold Coast and Jaden Lloyd rode him. Second leg of a riding double for young Lloyd and uh, I think if you're on the favourite, it was a bit of an anxious watch most of the way round. It was only uh, comfortable at the last 50 metres. Yeah, absolutely. And look, David, I think I know you well enough now to sense a little tone in your voice in your race calls. No, I you're going to be wrong extra, here. Bit, no, I, I just sensed a bit of extra excitement when Dream Reacher was, was making the run. You, did you have something on or not? No, I didn't. Uh, no, I didn't. And I'll tell you why I didn't. I selected him, but... And I said this on radio yesterday, and I've altered my mind on this horse and another horse I'll mention later. I always felt Dream Reacher was was good and competitive, very honest. Just like what I call that killer punch, but yesterday was one of his best wins. He gave them a start and he he ran them down. They don't often come from last to doom, and so I thought it was nearly a career best win, and um, uh, he's he's a horse who'll go to open company, I'm sure of that. Deep Seaver, she's always good fresh. Her run was good, and her stablemate stuttering was heavily backed and ran a good race but wasn't quite good enough on the day. Let's go to the last of the day. Putters were really scratching their heads here trying to sort it out. But in the end, though, they came for one. Diva Bella ran the favourite at 3.50. Coming to the home turn, though, and on straightening, Diva Bella tried to kick in the lane. Supergiant is the first under pressure. Ocean Treaty coming up on the outside. Stardome running on well. Exclusive battling away fairly. Diva Bella's under siege. Ocean Treaty the first danger. And Stardome is going to have the last shot. Ocean Treaty on the outside went up. Stardome tries hard. Ocean Treaty narrowly in front. Ocean Treaty leads from Stardome. And Ocean Treaty won the last. Beat home Stardome or Diva Bella. Fourth, not certain. Bargannon finishing on, then Whispered, followed by Supergiant, then Glenord. Toots's tops, the fire trap, and exclusive is last. I'll let you know the secret here, Benjamin. I had something on this winner. It was a very, it <laughs> well, was a very, funny, it was a nervous watch because I thought it was going to win just, and then I saw a start. I said, "Don't tell me." But anyway, I should try to get over the line. Ben Thompson. Well, I'll tell you what, if you. 
if you're in any doubt, if punters are in any doubt as to what the back in a race at the moment in, in Brisbane mm. or south-east Queensland, just have something on a Steve O'Day, Matt Hoisted runner. Their uh, recent run is nothing short of phenomenal. Uh, I'm just actually looking at their uh, record this season. I mean, at a, at a Metro level, and this is this season, and they're, they're you know, uh, bear in mind their record in recent weeks is even better than this. They're striking at 32.7%. Uh, this season at a metro level, that's one, that's basically one in every three runners they send to the the races at a metro level wins. That's that's amazing stuff. Yeah. I mean, we compare that. Tony Gollan, eighteen percent. Chris Wallace, seventeen percent. Rob Heathcote, thirteen percent. It's just extraordinary stuff, Dave. Well, it is. Um, the, the fact is that um, the, the strike rate is maintained as well, so they don't have a, a as big a team as the likes of Gollan and Waller and Heathcote, but uh, but they continue to churn out winners. Uh, 32 uh, winners this season, 11 seconds and 10 thirds. And, of course, it was their second winner of the day. Now, I mentioned Dream Reacher. I thought uh, wasn't quite the killer punch type, but he, he is now. This mare fell into the same category, Rich Lister. I, I thought, and many others thought, she was a, a good thing or hard to beat. Um, I've seen her before, and I've been a bit critical of her sometimes. Even when she's won, I thought she could have done more. But she had that break. She trialled like a bomber, Deegan. She sat wide and beat Garibaldi. And she was able to win first up and not only win, when, when the run came, and it was a little while coming, she pulled away to win by almost three lengths. That was Jaden Lloyd's first leg of his uh, riding double. So it's always interesting. We talk about this, about, you know, we can see the form on paper. It doesn't always, well, it means something. Well, it means a plenty. But, but just how horses improve or don't improve their, their, their nature, their manner, their physical stature, their mental um, way... Uh, it means a lot. The, the, the trainers we speak to often talk about that, so it's always good to listen to. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I actually, back to Rich this year, so I think it was Marnie better today. And um, there were some nervous times. I just sort of thought, just for a time there, you could tell there was a whole lot of horse, um, y- you know, to give. But it was just, I was just struggling to see where the run was going to open up. And of course, Barrier One, as you mentioned earlier, um, could have been a bit of a trap on the day, but a really, really dominant win. Um, I guess another one of the big talking points just quickly on the day, David, was the Class 3 plate, which was the following race. Uh, Paladar started the Dolanoi favourite, and it was an absolutely horrific wash for punters. Jim Byrne just got stuck um, between a couple of horses in the straight. Uh, the leader, um, 200 to 1 chance, General Wolf, and I think the Test Francais, and, and just tried to sort of, you know, push his way clear and, and got unbalanced and was, to be honest, lucky not to fall. The horse finished third. Um, I'd say should have won. Uh, safe work made the most of the, the scrimmage and got up along the fence. But Jim Byrne actually ended up in the stewards' room, uh, being quizzed by Chief Steward Peter Chadwick. There was no charges laid, uh, <clears throat> but basically, you know, Jimmy was told to, to sort of exercise more caution. And credit to him, he put his hand up straight away and said, "Look, there's no no other rider I can I can blame here. There's there's no other contributing factor. I stuffed up." Uh, I wish I had my time again. So credit to him uh, for putting his hand up. But I guess it didn't help the punters that back Paladas at a dollar nine. Uh, he was on the rail and then he elected to come away from the rail and went for a run that wasn't there. And in the end, Safework took the run that Paladas had and went on to win. That was the, the story of the race. The other thing is too, and uh, he actually led early Paladas. I can't see any drama why he couldn't have held the front because uh, he's the favourite in the race. He was going to get an easy trip. There was no speed in the race, but... He elected to take a sit, and, and ultimately it probably cost him the race. But I suppose with Paladas, that goes down as another excuse. It's now two from 18, so read into it what you will. We'll finish with one replay. Tony Gollan had better uh, fortune in the third race when his uh, open-class sprinter F-Troop bounced back to victory. It will be a sprint home, and good on you, Sonia. Should have gas in the tank. Came up to the turn, leading constant flight by a neck. Roman Orius now needs a runner as F Troop peels three wider. Colpo di Tamburo drops off, then Chicago come. He goes for the rail on Roman Orius now. After good on you, Sonia Gamely. F Troop joining it as well, and then came constant flight. On the outside, F Troop's got the lead. Roman Orius can't match it at the moment. They beat off good on you, Sonia. F Troop in full flight. He's got a lead, a narrow lead, but he'll win. F Troop, too good from Raymond Orius. Third over the line, good on you, Sonia. Then constant flight, Colpo di Tamburo and Chicago Cup whipped them in in one ten sixty five. First leg of a riding double for Ben Thompson and for F Troop, it's been some time between drinks, Ben. Yeah, absolutely. You haven't won uh, <clears throat> in more than two years, actually, since uh, one of our guests this morning, Tony McAvoy, uh, trained F Troop, uh, I think, to a win in Adelaide in December, was it 2019? So, look, 
Uh, we all remember this horse as a bit of a star two-year-old or certainly had a lot of raps on, on him as a two-year-old for one reason or another. It just hasn't quite gone on with it. Has always had the ability. It has generally been well-liked by punters. Often hasn't quite delivered. Um, but I think the small field, too, was a key yesterday. I mean, Ben Thompson could just have him uh, effectively where he liked. And he's run first up, obviously, in the Magic, uh, on the you know, the Rich Magic Millions race. Uh, while well-beaten, you know, was, was a lot, lot stronger company than this. So, look... Hopefully there's some more wins uh, in store for, for F-Trip, David. Producer Dale's giving me a stern look to say you've gone over... Oh, yeah, there's an odd you've gone over time. Well, bad luck. <laughs> we'll do it again next week as well. <laughs> hey, listen, speaking yeah, of, you. Speaking of um, uh, going over time, we won't go over time on press room tomorrow, but I'm sure you'll have plenty of news for the listeners. Yeah, absolutely, David. Can't wait to get back into it with you. And, of course, just quickly, the first... Uh, you know, big group one of the season, the CFO um, in Melbourne next week. Gee whiz, I think we're going to see a pretty good horse in Sinawan. Flew home uh, behind that smart horse, Morabi, in the Australia Stakes. So I think Sinawan's favourite for the CFO and think we'll be winning given even luck. So I can't wait for that. And I'll talk to you tomorrow, David. Talk tomorrow, Press Room. And folks, thanks for your company. Look forward to your company tomorrow on Press Room. I'm out of here. I'll cop the can. You have a good day. Bye bye.